You may be seated. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. I want to say again, uh, happy birthday to Britt. Thankful that he was able and willing to come and play with us this morning. Uh, help lead us in worship and uh, also to do it on his birthday. So excited to be with him and celebrate with him. Also to be here with you. As we look back at Daniel chapter 9, uh, we are getting back into this last part of Daniel 9 where we're looking at some more apocalyptic type literature. Uh, we're seeing some, some visions uh, or a vision, specific vision of the end time and things that are to come. And so there will be some language in here that will be very reminiscent of the book of Revelation. But just to catch us all up, just in case you weren't with us last week or if you haven't, been able to catch last week's message on Facebook or the podcast yet. Last week in Daniel 9, we began and saw uh, Daniel praying. And he's praying this very specific prayer where he starts out by confessing the sin of Israel. He says, we have sinned. And then he says, and God, you were right for having punished us. Remember, we have to, we have to remember the setting of Daniel. Daniel is praying this prayer and Daniel is going to receive the vision that he's going to today in Babylon they are prisoners and exiles in Babylon. They've been kidnapped from their home in Jerusalem and taken here. They've lived there for about 70 years or so, and they're prisoners, uh, and they are slaves. Many of the Jewish people are to the Babylonians, and so that's what life is like. And so he's prayed. He said, God, uh, we sinned, and so it's right and just that we're here. You've been fair and done what you should have done. But he also ends the prayer by, by asking for God's mercy. He says, God, we, we've done wrong and we've gotten what we deserve, but, but please be merciful. Take away this punishment. Allow us to go home. Allow us to no longer be slaves or to be in debt. And so immediately, God clearly and directly responds to his prayer. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to begin in verse 20. Uh, the prayer ended in verse 19. We're going to pick up right in the very next verse, verse 20, as we see God's response to Daniel's prayer. Uh, if you're following along in the ESV, it's going to look differently, uh, look different. I'm going to be reading out of the NASB this morning. Uh, there are a couple of specific translation things uh, in this text that I appreciated more in the NASB. I won't go into those details, but if you're curious or interested, love to talk to you about them later. But if you would follow along, beginning in Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Daniel said, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering, he gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you were highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. So here is, here's the, the answer, right? Daniel prays and says, God, we've sinned and we deserve punishment, but we ask for mercy. And so immediately he says, while he was still praying... Gabriel shows up. We've already seen Gabriel at least one time, probably twice now. 
uh, and the visions that he's been given. So this is the angel Gabriel. Gabriel shows up. God has dispatched him and sent him immediately. When Daniel starts praying and asking this, God sends him. And before he even finishes praying, Gabriel is there. And he comes to him. And, and he has the answer, the response to Daniel's prayer. Now, it's not the response that we might would expect. Especially whenever I told you last week it was going to be a gracious and merciful response. You might expect that the response was going to be that God's going to set them free and send them home immediately. Right, that he's going to send the, the ruby slippers that they click their heels together and they just transport it home immediately. That's not what happens. Instead, God sends Gabriel. And what does he send Gabriel to do? Verse 22 tells us, He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. So this is God's response. Daniel says, we've sinned and we're guilty and deserve punishment, but we ask for mercy. And God's response is to say, let me give you some understanding. Let me show you a vision of the future. Let me reveal to you, give you a revelation of what is going to come. Now, why is it that God immediately responds in such a clear way to Daniel's prayer? We see that in verse 23. It says, I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, or as the ESV says, for you are greatly loved. So he is dispatched immediately to Daniel who is praying because Daniel is loved by God. And there are just so many beautiful things in this first section of the response to Daniel's prayer. God's immediate response, God's clear and direct response, God's uh, responding because of his love for Daniel. We also see the important part of realizing that what God, the next thing we're going to read, verses 24 through 27, are going to be a vision. It's going to be a revelation. It's going to be showing him what's going to happen in the future. But point one, God immediately responded to Daniel's prayer by sending a revelation. That's the response. God immediately responded while he's still praying. Gabriel's there to tell him the answer that he's looking for. So... If Daniel is weary and tired and hurting and desiring to be free and desiring to not be a slave anymore, to not have debt anymore, to get to go home, and God responds by giving him a revelation, must be a pretty good revelation, huh? And some of you that may be in or find yourself in that spot, life seems hard and life seems difficult, and, and you just feel like, man, I just want to go home. I just want things to be different. I think that I believe fully that what we see in the next few verses will be good for you as they were good for Daniel, good for our hearts. So this revelation, let me give you a couple of things to set it up because this is verses 24 through 27 where it's going to sound like the book of Revelation, where it's going to sound like apocalyptic literature because that's what it is. And so there are going to be, there's going to be imagery here. There are going to be metaphors here. There are going to be things that are figurative and not literal, and we have to work through all of those things. My goal, prayer, and desire is that we will work through those things without pressing too many of the details. You may read something or you may hear me read something in here and you say, well, I'd like to know more about that. Come and ask me. I've studied this. I would love to sit down and talk with you about it. But for the, the idea of us understanding the overarching point of these verses, I can't spend too much time pressing all the details. Because if we do, we'll be here till 1 o'clock and you'll all be asleep and it will have been for nothing. So... 
Come to me later if you want the details, but let's look at it overall. The first thing that you'll need to see before we read the text together, verse 25 is going to refer to a prince that's going to say Messiah the prince. And then we're going to see another prince, the prince who is to come. You have to understand those are different people. They're both called prince. It's the same word, but if you think they're the same person, then you really miss the point of the vision because the Messiah, the prince, that capital M, Messiah, we understand that to be the anointed one, the promised one, Jesus. So it's going to, in this vision, we're going to see something about Jesus. The prince who is to come is going to be an evil prince. He's going to be an evil, a strong ruler on this earth, but he's going to be an evil rulers, not the same as the Messiah. In this text, we'll see in verse 24, it's going to begin by referring to the 70 weeks. I will try and help us understand my best understanding of what the 70 weeks refers to. If you've ever studied Daniel, you've ever studied these 70 weeks, you will know that there are more than 70 ways to interpret the 70 weeks. I'm not going through all of them. I've been through many of them. I will give you my best understanding while also being clear that what I'm going to give you today is not the only way to interpret this, and I cannot guarantee you that it is the best way. It is the best way that I've seen and the best way that I understand through prayer and study. That's what I'm going to give you today. What do the 70 weeks refer to? Because I believe them to be figurative and not a literal 70 weeks. So what do they refer to? Then in verses 25 through 27, we'll see what's going to happen during that time period. And then we'll end by looking at the rest of verse 24 after the 70 weeks, what's going to happen. So look with me. I want to read all of these verses at once so we can see the entire picture. And then we'll look at those individual parts. Verse 24. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with the flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Desolate. So again, a lot of language, a lot of things that aren't really familiar to us in here. Let's look at the sections. The first thing, what do these 70 weeks refer to? I don't think they're literal. If you look at the things that it says are going to happen in here, they didn't happen in a literal seven weeks or a little 60, uh, literal 62 weeks or a literal one week. They didn't happen in a literal seven years or 62 years, which some interpret it. So the first thing that I want you to understand is I do not think that this is giving us a specific set of time that you can uh, decide and decipher and carry out and see when the end of time is coming, as many people have tried to do. Many people have tried to use Daniel chapter 9 to decipher when Jesus is coming back. 
Jesus was very clear that that is a futile practice. That no human knows when he's coming back. That he is coming back at an hour that no one expects. Jesus said when he was here on earth that he did not know that only the Father knew. So to try and use Daniel 9 to figure out when Jesus is coming back is a waste of your time. Just let you know that up front. I believe it's figurative. So what could a figurative 70 weeks be talking about in a revelation given to a man who has prayed and asked God to set them free from being slaves, to release them from the debt of sin that they owe him, and to let them go home. Well, there's one other thing that has some similar language that is a similar response that I've seen in Scripture that would have been very clear to the people of the Old Testament, the Hebrew people that I think it's referring to, and it comes in Leviticus 25. You don't have to turn there, but you can write that down if you'd like to read that later. In Leviticus 25, when God is giving Moses the law, he talks to him about the year of Jubilee. Some of you may be familiar with the term. You've heard it. If you haven't, let me give you a quick overview. The year of Jubilee was an exciting time. It was a celebration. It was a celebration where one specific year came about that everybody that owed a debt, their debts were wiped away. All the books were made clean. Nobody owed anything. All slaves were set free and were not slaves anymore. Everyone got to return to their home place. If you had, in, through some business ventures or bad investments or whatever, if you had lost your home place, your mom and them's place, you got it back at the year of Jubilee. And every family got to return to the place that they were from, and nobody owed anything, and everyone celebrated. This was a great time of rejoicing for the nation of Israel. The people look forward to this time that only came around every so often. When did it come around? How often? In Leviticus 25, 8, God told Moses, he said, this is when it will happen. He said, seven weeks of years, seven times seven years. So he said, at seven sets of seven, right? Seven sets of years, seven days in a week, seven sets of weeks, they'll come around. If you're doing the math, that's 49 years. Every 49 years, they decreed the year of Jubilee and had the year of Jubilee. That's how often it was decreed to come around. But the language is specific. Seven times seven years. Well, then we come here to Daniel 9.24, and it doesn't say seven sevens, but it says 77. Seventy weeks. The actual word there is sevens, but it's the seven days make up a week, so it's saying 70 weeks or 70 sets of seven. So it's very similar. We have 70 sets of seven and we have seven sets of seven. What happens every seven sets of seven? Everybody gets to go home. All debts are paid. Everything that you owed is canceled. You're no longer a slave if you were a slave. And everyone celebrates and rejoices. And so Daniel here prays and says, God, we owe a debt and we're slaves and we're not home and we want to go home. God, please give us these things. Please show us mercy and compassion and let us have these things. And what does God do? He sends a vision that begins, I believe, by pointing to this time that is to come. Now, 
Here's the thing about the year of Jubilee. It was coming every 49 years. It was coming. You knew it was coming. But if you're only 25 years in, you know what? You have to wait. Those of you that have to get to a certain number of years to retire, you know this, right? You know how many years it is, and you're counting them down, but, but you still have to wait until it gets here. So the, the day of Jubilee, you knew, the year of Jubilee, you knew is coming, but you had to wait for it. And it happened seven times seven. Well, here, I believe part of the, the imagery of 70 weeks or 77 is God says, Daniel, it's coming. What you're asking for is coming, but it's a long way off. Right? The, the year of Jubilee, for every 49 years, it probably seemed like a long time waiting for that. He says, well, the wait is going to, be, going to seem like 10 times longer than that. Now, again, I don't believe that you can deduce that to literally figure it out, but it's going to be long. And I will also be clear that although it was a long time for Daniel, that doesn't mean that it's a long time for us. Because you know what? It's already been a long time since Daniel received this vision. Daniel received this vision about 2,600 years ago. Brothers and sisters, that's a long time. And so, for us, it could be today. It could be tomorrow, or it could still be a long time. We don't know. But I believe the allusion here is to the end of time, whenever every debt is going to be taken care of, when all slaves going to be made free and when we are all going to go home I believe that when Daniel prayed for mercy and for a return from exile God showed him not just the return from Babylonian exile I believe that he showed him the great return for all of God's people from exile our exile here on earth right home is in heaven and we are stuck here but one day all of God's people are going home and so I think that God showed him Something that's going to seem like it's going to last ten times longer till it gets here, but it's also, when it gets here, going to be at least ten times more joyful. He said, Daniel, think about the greatest day in the nation of Israel. The day that is most celebrated and most looked forward to and most exciting and everyone is the most happy. And it's going to be ten times that. Think about the most happy you've ever been. You're going to be at least ten times that happy when we're going home to be with our Father. So I believe that that is what... 70 years points to. Point two. Believe the 70 years points to an unmatched time of celebration for God's people. Unmatched time of celebration. When it gets here, we will celebrate like no one has ever celebrated before, brothers and sisters, those of us that are in Christ. So that's verse 24. We'll see a description of that unmatched time of celebration shortly. But verses 25, 26, and 27. The vision showed Daniel this is what's going to happen between now and then. It breaks down the seven weeks and 62 weeks and one week, but it's showing this is what's going to happen between right now, when Daniel's receiving this, Daniel, this is what's going to happen between now and that end that is coming. So read with me what's going to happen. Verse 25. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the Prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with the flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined." 
And he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So what's going to take place here? Believe God says, Daniel, listen, it's coming. It's a long way off, but it's coming. It's guaranteed this great day of celebration. But between now and then, time's going to be tough. It's going to get rough. Verse 25 says, uh, y'all are going to get to go home. There will be a decree that you can leave Babylon and go home and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. But even that's going to be done in great distress. And you're going to rebuild it and it'll be there, but then it's going to be destroyed again. And then he says in verse 26 and 27, the Messiah would come. This would have been so exciting. The long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one, he's coming, but then he's going to be cut off going to be cut off from his people. So the Messiah is coming, but then he's going to be cut off. The temple is going to be rebuilt, and it's going to be destroyed again. And on top of that, there's going to be this evil ruler who's going to do abominable things, who's going to bring about desolation, who is going to destroy the city and the sanctuary, who's going to bring about war. These terrible things are going to happen. So that's what it looks like between Daniel's time and the end of time. Brothers and sisters, I believe firmly that's where we are. I know we live after Daniel, and I know we live before the end of time. So we live in the period where things are going to be rough. Things are going to be hard. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be war. There are going to be people that are going to do abominable things, but I believe that it's going to get worse. We see that here. We see that in elsewhere in the book of Daniel. We see that in the book of Revelation. Things are going to get worse. They're going to be uh, this evil ruler that's coming is worse than any evil ruler that we have seen yet. I believe that fully and firmly. And so there is going to be despair and there are going to be tough times between now and the end of time, between Daniel's time and the end of time. Point three, between Daniel's time and the time of rejoicing, there will be many terrible things. I think that's what verses 25 through 27 in overview show us. It's going to be really tough things before the end of time. But verse 27 does end with something that sounds very promising. It's talking about this evil ruler, this evil prince, the one who makes things desolate, the one who does abominations. The second half of verse 27 says, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So there's this promise that this evil ruler is coming, he's going to do terrible things, but his end is already set. God knows the evil ruler is coming, he's going to allow this to happen, but he is also going to bring it to an end. He has decreed it and made for sure that this complete destruction is going to come on him. So what does that end look like? When, when the end of the 70 weeks comes... When the great day and time of rejoicing gets here that's ten times better than anything we've seen before and, and evil is destroyed, what's that going to look like? I think that's what verse 24 shows us. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people in your holy city. Here are the things. To finish the transgression. To make an end of sin. To make atonement for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Brothers and sisters, that sounds like a good time to me. Transgression and sin finished. Sin 
coming to an end forever. No more sin. No more evil. No more hate. Atonement being made for sins. Forgiveness being purchased. Everlasting righteousness being ushered in. Right? There's no longer any bad things. The vision being promised to happen, right? It's sealed, it's decreed, it's promised, and the temple being anointed. That's the great day of rejoicing. When all sin is done forever and righteousness is here and it will never leave. And no bad things are going to happen anymore. Point four, the last point. When the end of evil comes, there will be great rejoicing. And that's what we see here. Not just an end of this evil leader, but an end of evil period. It's what we read about in Revelation 20 and 21 and 22. It's this vision of the the great white throne judgment. What happens there? Well, Satan and death and Hades, gone forever. Banished. We never have to deal with any of them ever again. Everyone that has had faith in Jesus Christ enters this new heaven and this new earth, and we get to see what creation was supposed to be like before sin marred it, before the fall. This new heaven, this new earth, this beautiful place that we read about. Everyone that has faith in Christ is going to be there. Us, all of us that have faith in Christ, and all of our brothers and sisters across the street, they're coming up. Going to be the resurrection, and the dead are going to be raised, and we're all going there. Mama and them, cousins, friends, everybody. Everybody that has faith in Christ. We're going there. We're going to be alive, more alive than we've ever been before. Nobody will ever lie to you. Nobody will ever hurt you again. And we're going to be there forever and ever. Ten times greater. At least ten times greater than anything you've ever seen or ever done, brothers and sisters. That's what God says. He says, Daniel, this is what's coming. Vindication, being set free from debts, no longer being slaves, going home. Daniel said, I've been in Babylon a long time, and God, I want to go home. And God said, Daniel, let me show you this vision, because one day all of my people are coming home. And it's going to be much better than anything you're asking for. Now, how is it? How can that happen? Right? If no sin gets to go to heaven, if no sinners get to enter there, how do we get to go there? Well, that's part of this verse as well. Verse 24, it says, Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people in your holy city. In those seventy weeks there will be the finish of transgression, an end of sin, and atonement for iniquity. It's just another word for sin. Atonement for sin. Brothers and sisters, during that time period when the Messiah came, and it was then cut off. I believe that, that is Jesus Christ coming and then being crucified. And that's where atonement was made. For all of our sins, every one of us that have responded to faith in Christ, our sins have been atoned for. He lived a perfect life and He died a perfect death. And when He did, He made it available that we could all be forgiven of our sins. Brothers and sisters, if you have responded in faith to Jesus Christ, then your sins are forgiven And in God's eyes, you are righteous and perfect enough to get to go to the new heaven and the new earth and to be there forever. Jesus has made a way that we could go there. That's how we can go there. Over this weekend, I had the opportunity to go home. got to go to my my parents' house, went to Philadelphia uh, Thursday evening and 
got to go out and eat with my parents and my sister and then went back to uh, my mom and dad's house where I grew up, home, sit down in the living room. I didn't have anywhere to be. I didn't have anything that we had to do. I just got to sit and talk to mom and dad for a little while. I don't get many opportunities like that. It was special. You know, something about being home. It felt, I haven't lived there in years, but it still feels comfortable. Brothers and sisters, we have a home that we've never been to before. But when we get there, we'll feel more comfortable than we've ever felt before. We will be with our Father, and we'll have no agenda other than to worship Him. No that we have to be. Nothing's going to ruin the moment. We'll just be at home with our Father. Brothers and sisters, the Word promises it's coming. I pray that you're ready for it because it's only for those that have faith in Jesus Christ. We're not going to have a time of invitation today. Not formal here, but, but Christ has made the invitation open that you could come to Him and respond in faith. If you have questions about it, what does it mean to respond in faith, brothers? I don't understand that. How can I have my sins forgiven? Come and ask me. I would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to explain it to you more, to show you what it looks like in the Word. If you have questions, how can I know if I've done that or not? I would love to walk with you through that. If you're not comfortable coming to see me in person, call, text, email, whatever it is. Make sure that you have those questions, that you have them answered. And brothers and sisters, as we close, I'll just remind you that if you already know that you know that you know that your name is in the Lamb's book of life and that when the resurrection and the judgment happens, that you are going to be celebrating and excited, then we have reason to be excited today, to celebrate today, to smile today. So let's smile as we close in prayer this morning. Father, you are so good. And Lord, I'm thankful for this reminder that you do respond to us and you do answer our prayers, not always in an immediate fashion of having an angel show up. But Lord, you answer our prayers. And Father, you are attentive to us. And we are greatly loved by you. And we are highly esteemed in your sight because we are your children. And Lord, I'm thankful for the reminder that, that sometimes, Lord, we don't even ask for enough for the promises that you have set for us. That Daniel just said, God, I just want to leave Babylon and go home. But you said, Daniel, let me show you something much greater than leaving Babylon to go to Jerusalem. Lord, we look forward to that day when we will leave this earth and come to be home with you forever. Father, we are excited about it and we, and we desire it. Lord, I pray that it gives us strength on our most troubling days, on the days when we're most tired and when we're hurting the most and we want to give up and give in, Lord, that we can think about the end that is to come and it would rejuvenate us and make us more excited. Father, thank you for this reminder from your word. Lord, help us as your people to celebrate often the beautiful gift that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.